Welcome to The Contemplative Life. Three pastors, friends, and spiritual companions help us explore spirituality through a contemplative lens. I'm Christina Roberts. I'm Chris Roberts. I'm Christina Kaiser. We're glad you joined us. Hello. It's great to be with you. Today we are taking some time to talk about do-overs, apologizing, forgiveness, things like this. And I found myself so inspired from an episode that came out just a little while ago, episode 119, which was called Caretaking as a Spiritual Practice. But just at the very end of it, Nikki Nelson talked a bit about the notion of do-overs and how meaningful and how powerful they had been in her own experience of life. And it really got me thinking, like, do I have that in my own experience? And as I thought about it, I realized we have try again. Let's try that again. But try again is different from the do-over. It, it feels like do-over offers you this full stop. Try again. Maybe you had a mistake or you were a little angry and you're just going to use a better tone. But do-over seemed to offer a little bit more grace. And then I started to realize as I thought more about it from there, like you can't just suddenly do them. It doesn't work. It's like the fire escape plan. Like You can't just say, if we would have had a fire escape plan, this is what we would have done. Like you have to actually have a conversation about why you would implement do-overs and what the heart and spirit and meaning of it would be. So it takes a whole thing, but it feels really meaningful because there are those days where you just maybe... It, it just flies out and you snapped or it's like you maybe were taught that, but maybe that isn't really the best way to go about interacting anymore. And it does take this whole let's stop and let's think and let's offer this grace to one another. It's a whole thing. So it inspired me. And that's why we're here in a way. So I would love to just open the floor. What are your experiences with these types of topics? So when Chris and I were first married, and maybe even I should back up previous to marriage, I used to read marriage books, even when I wasn't dating someone, because I was just fascinated with different relational dynamic communication, conflict resolution. And so I remember early in our marriage, really wanting to implement this idea of do-overs. And like, literally, if we had a conflict, we would be like, okay, let's have a timeout. Let's do a do-over. And like, literally one of us would walk out of the room and open the, go back into the room of, we are like starting fresh again with this whole conversation and experience recognizing that at the end of the day, we love each other and we want to have connection, but we're running into some snags right now, or we're not getting across or whatever. And so somehow like physically one of us getting up out of the room, the other one sitting, gave us a moment to just catch our breath, pause, and then re-engage in the conversation and really trying to let go of, okay, we just had a crap experience right now. And we're going to like that. That's here. That's real. It's in the room, but can we somehow dissipate that? And I know we talk about sometimes and we didn't have this language. This wasn't part of our understanding back then. We talk about this idea of a statio, right? Which is a pause, a sacred pause that Benedictine spirituality talks about. And I think sometimes having that where it's okay, we're just going to hit the pause button right now. We're going to hit timeout and it's still here. Just like when you pause a movie, the movie's still there, whatever the scene is intense, but we're going to pause and go get a popcorn or do whatever. And somehow when you come back into the space, you're showing up differently. And so I think that's one thing that comes to mind when you talk about the idea of do-overs. Yeah, I like the concept of do-over. I think one of the things that also comes to mind is fresh start, or I think one of the things that, excuse me, I think one of the things that is an ingredient to do-overs is time. I think 
Christina Roberts, you alluded to the fact of going out of the room and shutting the door and then, but I think there are some do-overs that are need much more time than that. And so I think for there to be power in a do-over is a, an attentiveness to time, letting enough time elapse. And I really love the contemplative nature, being contemplative ab about forgiveness, about do-overs. And yeah, I recently had an experience where a family member who committed a wrong, a, a wrong against me was reaching out. And I think I had to give myself a little bit of time to think about whether I wanted this do-over to actually happen or not. And of course, I did take the time that that I needed. But I think one of the things that that was a real possibility is holding on to the wrong. And I think if you hold on to something in the past, and I think people who make mistakes in the past, you're just making assumptions that that they're still in that spot. And I think if I would have made that assumption that, that this person who committed this wrong is still in that same spot, I wouldn't have been able to hear the journey that's happened in their life. They're in a much different place. And just like I've grown, this person has grown as well. And so I I love do-overs. And I think one of the key ingredients is time and being able to do the inward journey that is needed to create space for the do-over to happen. I do appreciate what you're saying. And it makes sense on so many levels because of how emotions work, right? Emotions have this peak and then they wane over time. But also it reminds me of a quote that I heard from Desmond Tutu about how a reconciliation occurs. And because I've had people say, oh, let's just let time heal the wound. But that sometimes feels very awkward to me if we don't actually have a plan to come back and really deal with it. Like it might just be this awkward thing that hangs in the air. Maybe it healed for them, but I'm not sure if it's done. It's very uncomfortable. So Desmond Tutu, he says, forgiving and being reconciled to our enemies or our loved ones is not about pretending that things are other than they are. It's not about patting one another on the back or turning a blind eye to the wrong. And then later on, he goes on to say, it's a risky undertaking, but in the end, it's worthwhile because in the end, only an honest confrontation with reality can bring real healing. Superficial reconciliation can bring only superficial healing. So yeah, there's this question for me. What does one do with the time in between? It's probably going out to get popcorn is symbolic probably of something going on. So I don't know what you guys think about that. I think it's important to acknowledge, again, there's varying degrees of do-overs, right? Whatever argument that I had that can be reconciled in a conversation is much different than a wrong that was done to you over the course of years too, right? I think sometimes there's long, long wrongs that are done, if you will. And I think the rec reconciliation and the do-over process is not a one and done. I think there's multiple do-overs that have to happen in that kind of a situation. I'm reminded of when Jesus is talking to his disciples and talks about forgiving 70 times seven, which is the symbol of there's multiple times that you have to keep coming back to the issue in a lot of situations because there's more conversations. As you have a conversation, perhaps some more emotions come up. I think not only time, but timing, I think depending on where we're at in our own journeys, being able to receive that 
ask for forgiveness or desire to reconnect or desire for a do-over, sometimes we're not ready for it. It's, I know that's something that you want, Christina, to your point, maybe time has quote healed you, but I haven't had that same experience. And so I'm not ready for that yet. And giving ourselves permission to be attentive to the timing of those sorts of things. And so I think there's a lot of factors that play into whether it's a acute thing where, you know, I, and I think too, even in work conflicts, or I sent that email and it just, oh, it's not sitting right with me. Some of those things are a little bit of a quicker resolution of, can I do that over? I hit send too soon. And I'm sorry about that. I'd like to do that. It's still gone out into the world and you've still read whatever version of it that, that happened, but sometimes quickly being able to go back, it's, ooh, something spilled and you're quickly doing that up before it hits a stain and you're able to catch it where I think other times it's just a little bit of a different dynamic. Yes. What you're saying reminds me, I recently read about four different types of forgiveness and one, <clears throat> sorry, one is this really nice, deep experience between both people. But on the other end of that, sometimes and it actually in the middle, there's agree to disagree where no real resolution happens, but both people feel very strongly. And so they just agree to disagree. And then sometimes because one person doesn't want to have the engagement, doesn't want to have the conversation, it's can I reconcile within myself, which they say is like the least satisfying of all types of reconciliation or forgiveness because it feels one-sided but how do we go on within ourselves if we don't find any space of inner peace yeah i'm reminded of do-overs amongst children and i've recently seen children interact and these emotions run really strong and hot <laughs> like over a particular toy or over a game that is being played and the conflict resolution amongst children seems so simple. And I'm I'm contrasting that with adults, right? <laughs> and somewhere along the way, our need to be where we develop that, where that comes into play. And I think do-over is saying, I'm willing to negotiate my need to be right. And I've had interactions with some of my own children. And that is one of the things that comes up is like, how can you hear both sides of the story in a do-over. And I think just the thing that comes to mind is the willingness to listen to the other side. And so I think do-overs require deep listening on our parts. And Christina, just going to back to what you said a moment ago about reconciliation with our own self. And if we can't reconcile with ourselves, we can't reconcile with another. I think Tikna Khan is the one that brings that up. But I think it's important to know too that forgiveness and trust are different. And so forgiveness is essentially us releasing the hold that this wrong has on us. When we forgive, it's actually more about us in a lot of ways than the other person, because we're just saying, this is no longer having a hold on me and I release, I forgive, whatever. And yet trust is a very different thing. And so that doesn't mean that I'm going to now be back in relationship with this person. Maybe there's some boundaries that need to be set or there still needs to be healing. So forgiveness and healing are also different where I to me, like that's almost a first step of there's a release here. I forgive, I release. It's, it's no longer, there's this account that has to be reconciled. And then with that, there's implications of that. I think it's important to tend to. So I think as I'm listening to that, that also comes up for me. Yeah. These are both good points. The notion of what does it require of us and to develop a good listening ear. It is difficult. When I have little ones, maybe whatever they're thinking is so important, there is no hearing. But then is that so different in the grown-up world? We do really get entrenched in an idea and a concept. And 
sometimes it is that sense of, I see that what you were doing there that you meant well, right? (laughs) Or it's more, oh, I was operating out of my fears or my own wounding. There's so much going on, which to your point, Christina, yes, these are different levels as well. The do-over maybe feels a little, a lot different maybe than reconciliation, which maybe is this longer process of working through the relationship and how does trust work in the midst Trust, I feel, must play a big part in reconciliation. I don't know what you think. Yeah. And I think, first of all, it, or in my mind, it's trust of myself. Can I trust my own inner wisdom to guide me in this reconciliation process and to know I can go right here and that's enough for now. I'm not ready to jump to this next thing. And so trusting our own journey in that too, you know, trusting whatever perspective that we're getting from the spirit in this thing. And then I think trust of the other person that to me, that's like down the road, right? I think we have to first reconcile with our own ability to recognize, okay, this is what I need for my own healing or journey in this. And it's okay to have a pace that makes sense for us. So I, I think there's multiple layers of trust as well, in my opinion. Yeah. I think that's very helpful to talk about. There's layers to our forgiveness versus reconciliation. There's layers to our trust And each situation is going to call for something maybe a little bit different in us as well. So thank you for talking a little bit about what it looks like to live in the midst of the do-over and moving towards forgiveness or even reconciliation. Hopefully it can inspire, right? And give us an ability to interact in our connections in deeper and more meaningful ways. Because in the end, don't we usually say that it's all about connection? And this is a part of it. Now is the time in our podcast where we take a moment to talk about what we are into. What are we into? I am into learning all I can about South Dakota. Um, Our family is getting ready to embark on a week-long adventure into South Dakota, and it's so fun. There's all these little charming towns I'm learning about and places that we want to visit. So I am into South Dakota. I am into getting ready for fishing. I think... Our kids, we have we have bodies of water that are really close to us that the kids can hop on their bike. And so I'm trying to make their fishing poles and their tackle as accessible and portable as possible. And I hope to, pl- to go with them on these fishing excursions over the summer. And I know that probably that's one thing that we're going to do in South Dakota is do a little bit of fishing. So I am into fishing and all the accessories that go along with it. That all sounds very exciting. I think lately I have been into thinking a lot about how to have edible landscaping. (laughs) The difference between simply decorative landscaping and functional landscaping, which does fit my personality. I do like things that are both functional and pretty. So that has been all the rage. But in the midst of that, we've been outside a lot. And I've discovered that my little one is really into toads and frogs. So they have had this whole thing of looking for them and trying to find them. And so I was mowing the lawn and I was like, you guys, there were five toads that passed my path while I was mowing the lawn. And then they were nowhere to be found. It has been quite fun to watch them engage with the outdoors as well. Thank you so much for being with us today. And we'll look forward to being with you again soon. If you enjoy listening to the podcast, we invite you to stay connected by signing up for our Foundry Spiritual Center newsletter, where you can learn about even more programs and offerings. 
You'll find a link to subscribe in the show notes or visit us anytime at foundrysc.com. Thanks again for being with us. We hope you have a great week.